Welcome back to American Football the British Way. I'm your host, British, like the people. <laughs> and we're back. We have completed week two of the NFL. Is it supposed to be this hard to watch? It's a question for the audience. I feel like this season has been more brutal than the last few. And maybe we just have a recency bias where it feels like these have just been so difficult because we're watching them right now and we forget about how tough it is to go through what we go through as football fans every single season. But here we are, back at it again. Let's do a quick little week two recap. We had your Thursday night game, Eagles, Vikings, This game ended up being a lot more points than it felt like in the first half, and there were some definite highlights. Despite the fact that the Vikings lost, their quarterback, Kirk Cousins, put up 364 passing yards with four touchdowns. His top receiver, Justin Jefferson, had 11 receptions with 159 yards. What does that mean? That means he passed that man the ball and he caught the ball 11 times and ran for 159 yards. That is almost, I mean, it's it's one and a half times the length of a football field. That's crazy. Didn't get any touchdowns, which was a controversy because he dove for one and it ended up not counting. Then on the Eagles side, you had for a good comparison to Kirk Cousins, their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who only threw for 193 yards and one touchdown, and he had an interception. The big game there was the run game because their running back, DeAndre Swift, ran for 175 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I'm going to just thank the betting gods for giving me that over because it put me in a fantastic position for my bets for that night. Let me know in the comments if you are interested in betting content. I have been dabbling for a little while now and I'm getting pretty decent at it, but I wanted to make sure that I had some really good takes before I shared them with you guys. So let me know if you're interested. A couple other notable games we had last week. Oh, the Cincinnati Bengals, my secondary team. They fell to a division rival, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the score was 27 to 24, which would make you feel like the game was a lot closer than it was. But man, the Bengals just have a hard time getting going at the beginning of each season, it feels like. It also doesn't hurt that their star quarterback is absolutely still hurt. It was tough. It was a tough watch. Not as tough as it was to watch my Bears get trampled by the Tampa Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 27-17, but we don't even really have to talk about that. Uh, There's not a lot to say. It's sad. I'm disappointed. I walked into this season thinking we were going to not fully turn things around. There was no way we were going to be a Super Bowl-level contenders, but man... I just thought they would have picked up from where they left off. The Bears have lost 12 games in a row if you count their losing streak from last season into this season. And that's tough. Uh, it's It's a bad beat. You also had the Cowboys who are just looking like a team to beat. In the whole league, not just in the NFC, they hurtled over the New York Jets 30 to 10. Just handled them without a problem. Then you had a 
a weird game, which was your Kansas City Chiefs and Jacksonville Jaguars. So I was out at a bar restaurant watching these games so I could catch as many one o'clock games as possible. Because if you remember, I let you know that through four weeks of the NFL, every single team is playing every week. So there were a lot of games going on at one o'clock. And that one, it wasn't one that was on the forefront of my mind. And that's probably because it was just not a lot of points. They ended up winning 17 to nine, which for a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, having arguably the best quarterback in the league with Patrick Mahomes, you would think that they had the ability to put more points on the board, but oh, that was rough. I think the biggest thing to talk about this week, though, are there were several more notable injuries. This is what I mean when I say, like, has it always been this difficult to watch? Because, ooh, it was tough. That actually lends me to a term that we haven't talked about yet, and that's the IR, also known as the injured reserve. So in football, a team can place several players on injured reserve. This means that those players are not eligible to play for their team for at least four games. So it's very serious to be placed on IR. Now, a team does not have a set amount of people that they can place on IR, meaning they can put as many players as they want to on IR. However, they're only allowed to bring back a certain amount of players. I believe that number is eight. Fact check me in the comments just to make sure. Yeah, it it means that that player is out for four games. So even if they feel great after two games, they are not allowed to play yet. That's big. Deontay Johnson of the Steelers, after that week one game, he's now on IR. Buda Baker, he's a safety for the Arizona Cardinals, IR. Here's a couple interesting ones that aren't technically on IR, but also got hurt. Jalen Waddell, he's a wide receiver for the Dolphins. He was in concussion protocol. That doesn't mean that he can't play, but he has to pass through the protocol in order to be cleared for the next game. Same thing happened with Anthony Richardson. He's the quarterback for the Colts. He's a rookie. He's probably the best rookie currently playing in this class of rookies. And maybe it's that he's very mobile or maybe that the team just built around him in the best way possible for him to succeed. But so far out of the first two weeks, he's looked the best, but he's in concussion protocol as well. Then you have... Ooh, RIP to my fantasy team, Saquon Barkley, who's the star running back of the New York Giants. He hurt his ankle at the end of the last game. It's not looking good. He could be out for a few weeks, but they did not place him on IR, which is good news. That means if his coach and his team of doctors, everything feel like he is okay to play. They don't have anything holding him back from going on ahead and playing. And then as I kind of mentioned er earlier, you have Joe Burrow. He went into the season with a calf injury. So he didn't play during the preseason. He had stopped practicing for a while during the preseason, and he definitely re-aggravated that calf. The only positive thing that he has going right now is he's on what we would call a long week. So he played on Sunday, but he does not play again until the next Monday night game. So he has over a week's worth of time to get ready. It still doesn't look great, but man, the Bengals really need 
to pull out a win, it will be very difficult to get back into proper position if they go into this season 0-3. You also have David Montgomery of the Lions, who hurt his thigh during the game and will most likely be out for a few weeks. I did not see an official IR designation for him, but that's not a great sign. The Lions do have a rookie running back who is making a big splash, Jameer Gibbs. However, they aren't the same type of running back. And that's something that we can delve into weeks to come in the podcast, how you can have a position play differently Um, it, It happens for receivers. It happens for running backs. They don't always have the same type of athleticism and the same type of play. So it could be difficult for the Lions to progress if Montgomery's going to be out for a few games. And then the worst injury, the most difficult to watch, the most painful, the most palpable injury that happened was that of Nick Chubb. He is a running back for the Cleveland Browns. They played on Monday night. He sustained a season-ending knee injury. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, if you do not handle graphic well, do not, under any circumstances, go back and watch the video up close of what happened to his knee. It's probably one of the most gruesome that I have seen. And I lived through seeing a a few different really bad injuries. Uh, Kevin Ware comes to mind, a basketball player who, yeah, I don't, I don't suggest looking that up either. So I'm just going to leave that alone. Anyway, that really stinks for them. They needed him. He was absolutely their star of the team. And now they're actually looking at potentially bringing in a different running back to help them propel through the rest of the season, because if they don't, it's not looking good for them. I'm glad that we were able to talk about IR, uh, because that's definitely a term that you hear in football, and it's not something that is called out on the field, but it's absolutely something that helps you understand the game when you're watching. Let's talk a couple more terms, too, that you need to understand when you're watching football that we haven't yet discussed. What does it mean if a team is going to punt the ball? You hear that all the time, but again, nobody really explains to you what punting is or when you punt or why. So this happens when the team that is on offense, if they are unable to successfully gain their 10 yards in the four downs that they were given, on that fourth down, they can choose to kick the ball to the other team. Why would you do this? So if you go for it on fourth down and you don't make it, the other team is going to take over the ball wherever you were on the field. So if you were really close to your own end zone, they would take over the ball right there and have a really easy chance to score. By taking it into your hands and kicking the ball to them, you can try to pin them as far back to their own end zone as possible. That would give your defense a chance to get the ball back more easily. So there's a couple of options when you punt the ball. By the way, watching a punter kick is very interesting to me because they're not setting the ball up on just a little tee and making a running kick. They're generally doing a drop kick where they hold the ball in their hands, drop it, and then kick it in the air. And they have to 
keep it in bounds or generally they're trying to keep it in bounds and they're trying to pin it as far back on the field without going into the end zone as possible. That is an option. If they kick the ball into the end zone, that results in what's called a touchback. So what is a touchback? That means that the team that was receiving that punt, receiving the kick, they get to start with the ball on their own 25-yard line. So basically, they're getting a version of an advantage because instead of starting from 24 or beyond back, they get to start at the 25. And that's recently been updated as well. I know I've mentioned this before, but NFL rules are fluid. They are regularly reviewing them, updating them, and changing them in between seasons. Touchbacks also occur when that punt or even a kickoff lands out of bounds. So the receiving team would, like I said, get the ball at the 25-yard line. The receiving team can also cause a touchback if they take the ball and kneel with it in their own end zone, or if they signal for a fair catch behind that 25-yard line. So wait, what is a fair catch? A fair catch is when the player that is supposed to be catching the ball, okay, so the player that is getting kicked the ball to them, they can wave their arm in the air and say, you cannot hit me. I'm just going to accept and try to catch the ball as it is. But that also means they are not able to try to advance the ball down the field. So in week one, we had a punt return touchdown. That means the team didn't get their 10 yards in their four downs. They punted the ball to the other team. And that team then caught the ball and ran it all the way back for a touchdown. When you call for a fair catch, you do not have that option. You are accepting the ball there. And that also means that the other team can't come touch you or tackle you. They have to allow you to just catch the ball. In the event that they interfere with that happening, that is a 15-yard penalty. That is a fair catch interference, and you're going to gain an extra 15 yards. So imagine if you already were on what we would call a short field. So they didn't have much room to kick or they were so far back when they had to kick that they're, you're already going to be closer to their end zone and then you gain an extra 15 yards, that's really putting you at an advantage. And like I said, when somebody punts the ball, your other option then would be they can kick it to a returner and allow them a chance to advance the ball. So a team is going to do this because they can try to kick it much closer to the end zone. I mean, it can land on the one yard line and then you'd have to start from there. Or they think that they can keep that returner from advancing much farther down the field. And this is all special teams play. So generally a team has a person that is a designated punt or kick returner. It's normally somebody that is very quick you oftentimes see that could be a wide receiver or a running back. It really just depends on the team. That person is not normally your RB1 or WR1, and that means you're running back one or wide receiver one, meaning they're not your star wide receiver or star running back generally. 
but they are really good at special teams. They spend their practices working with the special teams group and practice and really focusing on that specific part of the game. I'm going to keep it a little late this week in terms of terms. I want to hear from you guys what is left to know that you need to understand. I have plenty that I can still teach you about football, but I want to hear from you. Tell me if there is something else that you're missing or didn't seem quite clear. Let's talk a little bit about week three, a week three preview, at least the big games that are coming in week three. So for Thursday night, you have Giants at 49ers. Okay, remember that I mentioned earlier that Saquon Barkley, the star running back of the New York Giants, did hurt his ankle at the end of the last game. So it is a strong possibility that he's not going to play. If you remember week one, the Giants were the team that got completely shut out by the Dallas Cowboys. They lost 40-0. to zero. They had a comeback win in week two against the Arizona Cardinals, a team that people would potentially say you should not have to be coming back to win against because they are not seen as one of the better teams in the league currently. The 49ers, however, are considered a top, I would say in my opinion right now, top two team in the league, maybe top three if you really want to step outside the NFC. But as it stands right now, they're absolutely Super Bowl contenders. So we'll see. This game might not be super exciting. It could absolutely end up being just a game where the 49ers have control the whole time. Then a couple notable one o'clock games for Sunday. You have the New England Patriots at the New York Jets. So here's something interesting. When we look at football, we always pay attention, of course, to how many wins and losses you have. But can you be a good team that hasn't won a game? I feel like that's the New England Patriots. They're going into week three, 0-2. However, they've kept it tight and close both games that they played in. And they're now going up against a Jets team that lost their number one quarterback in week one after only four plays. So the Jets definitely have something to prove. They're trying to show that they can still succeed without Aaron Rodgers, their star quarterback who is out for the season. And the Patriots are trying to show that they aren't as bad as their record makes it seem like they are. So this is a huge game. It's always rivalry for the Patriots-Jets. The Patriots own the Jets, basically, when and when it comes to the rivalry. But given the situation of both teams, it should make for hopefully a decent game. The Jets have a very good defense, even if their offense doesn't always know what to do. Another one o'clock game that I would point out when I look at the slate is the Atlanta Falcons at the Detroit Lions. The Falcons are sneakily doing pretty well so far. Again, we can't get ahead of ourselves. It's only been two weeks. However, they're showing some good signs. They have a star rookie running back in Bijan Robinson, who is just doing whatever he wants on the field right now. It is really lights off watching him play. And then you have a Lions team who has a running back that is hurt. Uh, What I didn't mention earlier is one of their receivers, their top receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, also got hurt during the game. 
but he has a potential to play, so it's not looking to be as bad. But they were a team that was talked about really highly in the offseason. Like they, they came out swinging. They beat the Super Bowl champions in week one. They did lose in week two. But this game will be interesting to see if the Falcons can hold on and, and come out of this 3-0 and or if the Lions, you know, can manage not to mess it up like they did last week and pull out a win. Then I think we have a, are these teams good, but they just keep losing again game? And that's the Chargers at the Vikings. Both teams are 0-2. Both teams should be absolute powerhouses when it comes to being offensive teams. They have everything it takes on offense to be fantastic, and they just can't work their way around getting a win. When you look at the Vikings especially, they won a lot of games last season. However, they won them in very small margins. They had to come back a few times. They never really won by much. And their defense isn't good. They have the best wide receiver in our league in Justin Jefferson, and they couldn't get him in the end zone last week. And I don't fully blame their quarterback, but it doesn't really make sense that they aren't winning games. So a lot can be said the same for the Chargers. They have a great quarterback who also recently got paid. Something to look at there because a lot of these quarterbacks that got massive contracts in the offseason or right leading up to the season haven't been performing that well. Maybe they're just uh, taking it easy now that they're not working for their dollars anymore, but uh, hopefully that's not the case. The four o'clock games, they don't look great. I- I'll mention it because I am technically still a fan. The Bears are going into Arrowhead and playing the Kansas City Chiefs in that afternoon game and I'm not gonna lie I'm not looking forward to it it's gonna be difficult I'd like to see us just put up any points whatsoever but I don't see it to be promising it would be like winning a Super Bowl to me if somehow the Bears could squeak out a win here and if they did I wouldn't even believe it I I would think that something was happening we were in upside down land or I don't know because They're just not well. And the Chiefs, even though they lost week one, even though they had a weird week two, they're still the Chiefs. They're pulling it together. They still have the best quarterback in the league. They still have the best tight end in the league. Their defense got back one of the best defensive players in the league. There's no reason that they shouldn't manhandle the Bears. Then your night game is the Steelers at Raiders, and I won't hold any punches on this one. I am not interested. I'm going to watch it because I'm a football fan and I I want to know what's happening in every game so that I can tell you about what's happening in the games and I can relay all of the basics that you need to understand to see what happened in those games. But the Steelers offense looks stagnant. The Raiders, something's going on there too. They just had a move at quarterback going into this season. They have talent. They technically have talent, but it's just not translating, and I don't know when it will again. I feel like they're going to be in a rebuild for a while. So then again, this Monday, this coming Monday slate is another doubleheader. You have the Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If the Eagles are the real deal, this shouldn't be a huge problem for them, although the Bucks are playing scrappy and feisty. 
they are a team not to entirely count out. They have a quarterback who has bounced around a little bit in Baker Mayfield, but they seem to be rocking together and making it work. They won their first two games. So I don't think the Eagles should just rest on their laurels on this one. They're going to have to put in some effort for sure. When I talk about how positions can vary, even though they're the same position. Some quarterbacks are known more for their arm. They do a lot of throwing, a lot of passes, but a quarterback like Jalen Hurts has never had to fully rest on just his arm. He has the ability to basically be a running back in quarterback form, but he has not really shown that as much as you would expect for him too. So that'll be something to see him pick up in week three. And then very important game, the Los Angeles Rams at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have to win this game. That's the only way to put this. They need to win this game in order to feel like they have any chance this season. They go with three losses at the beginning of the season, and it's going to be a really tough tough thing to dig themselves out of. Now, of course, Bengals apologists could say, well, Joe's hurt, and that's why this isn't happening. But Joe was playing hurt in game one. He played hurt in game two. If there's any chance for them to get back to a Super Bowl again, they're going to have to pick it up week three. And that's everything I have for you this week. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. Make sure you follow us on TikTok, follow us on Instagram, and leave some comments. Let me know what you want to hear. Let me know what you don't understand, what needs more clarity. Let's just be great fans together. Enjoy yourself. We got another week of football. 